0: Hey, I want to invite you guys, if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoying this content and are passionate about protection, you should know that we have an entire library of all of the Protector Symposiums that we've ever done uh, hosted at ProtectorNation.com. You can go there and you can download those and you can watch every Protector Symposium we've had to date there online and you can learn protection tactics from the most, some of the most elite trainers in the world from the comfort of your own home. I think you'll be surprised about how much content we actually have there. Uh, It's very, very, very reasonably priced and you can upgrade your protection skills. Remember, protection is not all about the hard skills. 90% of it is all about the software, the programming, the way you see and move in the world to achieve a safer pattern of life. With that having been said, go to ProtectorNation.com, join us there and learn from the best of the best. Now, enjoy the show. Boom! What's up, you guys? Here we are again, another episode of the Protector Podcast. Super stoked for this one. We've got, in my opinion, a living legend, a guy that I've always wanted to train with and I've come up with some good excuses to make it happen over the years. Uh, Craig Douglas, how you doing, sir? Good, man. Good to be back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I would have had you at the last one, but I had to like spread it out a little bit. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Understood. Yeah, we. um, So, you know, real quick, I guess, maybe give the guys a little bit of an introduction to yourself and your background, because, you know, they're always wondering, you know, uh, who am I listening to? Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Craig Douglas, I'm a retired sheriff's deputy from South Mississippi. I did a, a 21 year career. Most of us spent in uh, narcotics and SWAT. I retired in 2011 to do training full-time. This is my 12th year of doing training full-time. It's my 21st year of doing training under the branch works globally. I teach now in uh, 48 states, 11 countries outside of the U.S., uh, four branches of the U.S. military, six federal law enforcement agencies, and we hold a standing uh, contract uh, within a small section of the intelligence community, organized under the Department of Defense, uh, I'm best known in the industry for niche tactical problems, um, and entangled inside of a clincher of ground fight, uh, uh, pistol presentations, and, and what that kind of gunfight looks like. Uh, knife work, fighting in cars, and. Uh, solo interior movement problems uh, which is some of the stuff we're going to be covering so any uh any kind of niche black swan probably worst day of your life that you didn't anticipate and train for that's kind of where we dwell heck yeah
0: which is awesome because that's what this event's all about this year um and uh, i think with everything we're seeing on the news and the media and all that stuff. I think it's right on time. I I, I just wish I could have done a little earlier. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm hoping they don't beat us COVID 2.0 or pandemic 2.0 doesn't beat us. <laughs> <laughs> <to> us. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? You know? So we might all be driving in anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. But nonetheless, um, it's an honor to have you back. So we've done teams <laughs> together. Um, Probably one of my first, my favorite SMEs to work with. Uh, Some of the things you guys may not see is just, you know, Craig Douglas. And to me is he's a gentleman. He's a dangerous gentleman. Uh, He's from the sea. He's also ironically from the streets. When I hear his music selection, when when we start training, you know, it takes me back. Um, But uh, we're going to do some really awesome things this time. How did you kind of get into this realm? Just so that people can kind of humanize you and understand a little bit about what brought you to being an instructor?
1: Sure. Well, so I've been an instructor, geez, like most, all actually all of my adult life. I, I started, uh, I was a childhood martial artist, uh, taught martial arts of various types in my teens, um, getting out of the Army into the three-year enlistment um, from 86 to 89, serving the Ranger Regiment, peacetime Army, got out, started my law enforcement career. And I formally started uh, training law enforcement in 1992. So I was an academy instructor. I I quickly, I was collateral duty in addition to my enforcement duties with my agency, but, uh, I, I fought in an academy environment for, uh, 20 years from 92 until a year after I retired in 2012, I became, uh, the primary defensive tactics instructor for, uh, our academy on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We had we had three academies in the state at the time. And then somewhere around 99, uh, I was uh, certified as a subject matter expert by the state of Mississippi. And uh, what that meant was I could write curriculum versus um, be required to teach certified programs like PPCT. So I, uh, I wrote a curriculum, uh, started teaching some of my own content uh, based on some of the experiences I'd had, uh, particularly as an undercover narcotics agent. And then um, started works just kinda at the request of the public. So there was no plan to do this. I, I, I was working on things at the police academy and I started interacting online. And there was just an interest. People were like, hey, I would like to see some products based on your ideas. Hey, we'd like to see some training based on your ideas. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And, um, there was never any intention to be a full-time instructor. I really didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. I wasn't thinking that far. Um, but basically it, it just grew very organically. This is free social media days. Yeah. Um, we were all interacting on, on internet forums, uh, the old VB, uh, bulletin software. And, um, so I guess the the term you would use now would be brand building. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had eight years, nine years of brand building while I was still with the sheriff's department. And, and the last two years, the demand got so crazy that, you know, I was essentially working two full-time jobs. So I made a conscious decision on uh, to retire. I had just enough time to get a 25 year pension with uh, my military time and some unused leave. And I was just enjoying the teaching more, and it was bringing out the best in me. So uh, I decided to go ahead and retire and uh, do this full time. And so I've I've been doing this full time now for uh, 12 years. Uh And uh, right now, I average um, about 40 weeks a year uh, on the road teaching. The um, business is split evenly between open enrollment, regular people, and then close enrollment with um, military, law enforcement, and, and other. Uh, so we're busy. can't yeah, 100%, as you should be. You
0: said something <clears throat> during one of our symposiums that I thought was awesome. Um, and it was something along the lines of we we're talking about some other art form or something. And you said, uh, if it can't be tested, and I think. Um, Mike Pinone corroborated the heck out of this we we're sitting there watching the UFC fight and I repeated it to him but you were like if it can't be tested I want to say at speed with repeatable results you should not trust your life to it
1: yeah pretty much you know and that's one of the big things that uh Showworks content um is known for is is we we do what we call the evolutions and uh we describe an evolution as the um the validation exercise for the day's training. Uh and evolutions are further described as non-consensual and competitive. So basically, what we do after the training day is over <clears throat> is we put on gear and, and we we allow people uh heavy contact, freedom of choice, freedom of action, opposing will, um, and intention and um we pressure test this content as hard as we safely can so hopefully nobody walks away from a day's training going "Ah, i don't know if that works or not and and again the evolutions are not real fights what they are is honest experiences and honest experience yeah it's an honest it's the truth and um you know, we we know as much as we possibly can about whether right. this content will work. So I'm a big advocate for doing that, and I, we we require it in the mm-hmm. coursework. You know, yeah. so yeah, everybody. Uh, and the other thing too is it creates um, a, a really positive training culture because mm-hmm. you know everybody is required in the coursework to show p- fairly. Fairly publicly vulnerable, mm-hmm. so when when a collective group of people is willing to hang out there and expose themselves, words and all, it keeps the training culture overwhelmingly uh, positive mm-hmm. and supportive, and and that's important to me. When you know we're talking about hey, we're, we're training violence, you know, yep. so the, the environment that we do that. Should not be toxic. It should not be negative. It should be supportive, and uh, it should allow people to fumble through and make mistakes and uh, and be seen, you know, for who are, who they are and what they are and accepted. Yeah, so, um it works for it works on a number of levels. I, I think pressure testing, besides just validating content, there there are a number of overarching reasons to do that. Because it just inculcates um, a, a healthy, largely more positive than not training. Community.
0: Yeah. And 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 an honest one, I think. An yeah. honest one, you know, because all the the good ideas yeah. and the things that look cool on on Instagram. I mean, it just we're gonna find out if it works. And I think one of the biggest compliments I got from one of my buddies, Luke Agajani, where he's like, because we've, you know, the two times that we've had you out, it's like, we teach the course, they learn the fundamentals and every time, like in all the fights, in all the chaos, the people that apply the fundamentals generally dominate and they generally get what get, they accomplish the mission. And then that is really, um, that's really valuable. Man. That's when people know they're walking away with stuff, you know, right. Um, you know, like we saw with Zola and the, you know, car fighting. One of the dudes, yeah. You know, like she, yeah. she dominated. She implemented the principles and she made it. She won like two car fights after that. It was yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, and we have your guys too outside yeah. of the symposium, come through coursework. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, they 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 all show well. You know, they really do. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to watch them go through the coursework and and see mm-hmm. them apply things. And again, you know, when they when they use the training, um, they they do well. Yeah. Really cool. No, thank you. It's always good to get that
0: feedback. And I think yeah. huge huge takeaway for you guys listening too is you won't walk away from a course with Shiv Works and with Craig Douglas wondering. Thinking that you know something, you're gonna feel and you're gonna understand that you know something. You're gonna have uh mental reference points um that are gonna stick with you, you know, and that I think is really valuable to walk away with. Yeah, we learned some cool moves, and then I went into murder alley against my buddy with the headgear on and actually got to feel what it was really like to try to put this into perspective in a, in a safe environment, but against what was it, non-permissive uh. Non
1: consensual uh, and competitive. Non consensual and competitive environment. I love it, man. Right. The, Both parties are trying to win. There are not role players. It is opposed. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the course, the course word by design is, is a course of instruction and an experience. You know, the, the course of instruction is a course of instruction, but experience right. is um what that's what resonates, impacts, and makes the, the the motor learning. That's what makes it stick and resonate. And and you know, our job is to create these little rooms in your head where yep. you can sit by yourself, um, and and contemplate your experience. We facilitate the experience. You decide what to do with it. And it. most people overwhelmingly rise after the experience and and make a decision a conscious decision to get better you know yep. when people that get fitter or lose weight you know they're all they're kind of again uh secondary and tertiary benefits yeah besides just the motor learning uh and and the specifics of solving that niche problem there there are a lot of there there are a lot of again second and third order effects that come along with a, a positive um uh, a properly, because it may not necessarily be positive, a, a properly facilitated
0: experience. 100%. And experiential information is superior. You know, I can tell you something until you're in your face. If you lived something, that's real hard to uproot, right? No, I love it, man. And that's valuable. So for this, for this symposium, we're going to be leaning into the one man, single man movement would you maybe just give them kind of a synopsis of what that actual course really is? And sure. Of-
1: sure. Well, <clears throat> first of again. all, yeah. uh, we, we need to make a distinction on what we're actually doing. Okay. And I know just because it's, it's language most people understand and they'll and, and language gives you a visual of what you're doing. Right. So it's mm-hmm. listed as one man CQB. Um. It's not CQB. It's not mm-hmm. this module um, is what I refer to as armed movement in structures, and <clears throat> it's larger coursework that has been condensed down into um, you know the the time that we have available, and, and what it's designed to do is to teach. Um, An an average person, whether they are operating under color of authority or not, to be able to contextually think through and navigate a movement with a gun through interior space. So, and, and there's several reasons that I make this distinction in the movement. First of all, you know, um, yeah, when I teach this content and I find this content quite a bit in closed coursework, uh, I've done this for the IC. I've done this for JSOC. You know, invariably, especially in the, in the intelligence community, you'll you'll have people from a whole bunch of different middle backgrounds, right? From the mm-hmm. Marine Corps, from the Army, from the Navy. <laughs> And, and the most contentious arguments are always about CQB. Always, always. So the way I start the discussion mm-hmm. generally before we get into the instruction is I, I let them know, hey, guys, I know everybody here is a is a Ninja. stellar commando from whatever branch of the service that you served in. And your CQB was probably the best at the time. And it served you well. Um, That's not what we're doing. Right. And uh, to show you that it's not what we're doing, we don't even use the language CQB to describe what it is. This is not close quarters battle. This is armed movement in structures. Uh, What is an armed movement in a structure? An armed movement in a structure may be the average person waking up in the middle of the night, Uh, They don't know why they've been woke up. They just wake up ill at ease, Mm -hmm. and boom, they hear a crash or a noise that's not just average house noise. Yeah, it's something anomalous. Um, they they get more ill at ease, so much so that they choose to retrieve a pistol from the nightstand. And move with that pistol through their home to figure out what's going on. Right now, that's an example of an armed movement in a structure. Here's another armed movement in a structure: public space where we hear shots. We're with a family member. We're armed. We have no desire to engage that person we want to navigate that space and get ourselves and our family out of that space um that would also be an armed movement in a structure so that's why I make the distinction right between that and CQB CQB is military language for something very specific and um, there's there's cross there's some some very Meta crossover between CQB and what I refer to as armed structures and what I'm teaching, but it, but it's very 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 broad and and the specifics of how we do this by ourselves for problems that are not necessarily aggressively taking real estate from an opposing adversary, okay? Right. Um, how we express the, the these movement modalities and what we're actually trying to accomplish uh, and the execution of them is very, very different, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some words that commonly are used in CQB, for example. That don't even apply to what I call our movement structure. Here's a word you hear in CQB a lot: flow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. Flow. Flow usually connotes or denotes how people move together. They're 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 spacing from each other, or spacing off walls, their depth, things like that. You know. Um. But but flow usually describes how people work with each other. Well, with what I'm teaching, um, there is no one to work with. So there is no flow. Yeah. Um so that's an example of something that's not really relevant to our movement structures. Um and and if you want to further describe flow and contrast flow, one of the things that people notice immediately is that the left and right limits of singleton movement compared to team movement are even more extreme. So when you by yourself compared to in a team-based environment, when it's time to move slow, you move way slower than you would in a team environment. And when it's time to move fast, you move way faster. Than you would in a team environment. So the 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 quality of movement is far more extreme and staccato. In creep, 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 rush, creep, creep, rush, 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 creep, um the where you where you initiate movement from and where you cease movement at right the level of precision especially um so you don't over penetrate and open up more exposure um it is way more than a team environment there's not other they're not there aren't other people to hold angles so you you don't have the opportunity of coverage you know a structure one of the things in the PowerPoint. that So we'll do a PowerPoint, we'll do a very brief diagram and then we'll start moving. So we go from from uh, how what these principles are, what I have distilled interior movement, solo interior movement principles into. Uh, we will express them one-dimensionally in a, 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 what we call diagram health, which okay. is a diagram that I draw on the board and I have everybody come up and describe how they will kind of move through that applying the principles that they've just been um exposed to in PowerPoint and then we go from 1D to 3D where we're actually moving around inside of 3D space and then we start adding opposition and complexity. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind it, its crawl walk run. And um again it's going to be it's gonna be considerably faster because this is a you know um, seminar four-hour format you know what, what i'm doing is condensing essentially what is um 48 hours 72. i'm condensing well the coursework is 24 hours over uh two full days so like day one is a 14-hour day when i do full board coursework because there's a there's a low light portion So I'm going to be condensing all of that into some some digestible, essential elements of um, information. And we're not going to have time, obviously, to do the amount of repetition and drilling that we would do in a full day class. But people will get exposed to how to do this. It'll give them a sense of 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 how to do this, and then we'll add some complexity. We'll look at some ambiguity. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I, I find interesting is, you know, people will will make statements that sound good, but but really, when you start doing a deep dive, you know, into it, are, are just factually untrue, such as well, if I catch somebody in my home that's a go, they're getting shot, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, <clears throat> what if you have a teenage daughter and she texted a young teenage boy You know, yeah. and he slips through the window and makes noise and you confront this teenage boy. He's like, hey, sir, I didn't mean to come up. I-, I-, I was just trying to see, uh, are-, are you seriously looking at me and telling me <laughs> You look at that 16-year-old kid and go, yeah, you're in the house, pink. And pop him like a plate. You know? All right, so now we have uh, what what we refer to as a don't shoot yet. Mm. We, we use that language because we might shoot him in 10 seconds, mm. but we've chosen for a moment not to shoot him yet. Right. So now I've got interior space. I'm armed. I'm dealing with a person I've chosen not to shoot yet. What do I do with them? Should I um, pin them in place and limit their movement or should I move them? Other um, things to factor in is there uncleared space between me and this person. And if I move them, do I move to them and risk Exposure in uncleared space. Do I call them back to me? Do I move them out of my house? Um, how do I get law enforcement to me or, or or support to me without creating an incident where I'm the person mistaken as the aggressor and I'm shot because I have a gun in my hand? You know, by responding to police officers, which has happened a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we'll look at a little bit of that and I will probably do more modeling of that because we simply don't have time to get a lot of repetition on it. Um, We have a process where we teach people to control control and clear and, and we define control as a person not oriented on us and Having their hands separated from their waistband, and then we make a, a, a decision on whether we should actually try and ascertain if this person is armed or not and a particular way to do that and a pretty particular way to do that quickly. but yeah, so um, you know that those that's some of the ideas behind this and 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 so to, to wrap all that up, what this is not is you. Running through rooms, you know, uh, on, each other and just <laughs> doing CQB. It's not what you're aggressively taking real estate. You may have to. There, there may be elements of that. Right. Mm-hmm. There may very well be elements of that. You know, especially once things do go opposed. But we're going to look at. A lot of these common problems. We are look at the idea of bypass. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here's the thing: if I hear something in my home, you know, a better half and a, a yes. know, special needs child, mm-hmm. yeah, and the special needs child is over here, and me and my better half are over here, and somewhere between me and them, there's uh, there's an undefined problem. Okay, is it a burglar? Somebody's just trying to rip me off. Is it a home invasion? You know, where people are, are trying to, to take me on the prize versus just, you know, That's well in home home. Uh, maybe we don't want to engage with those people. Maybe, maybe if there's a expeditious, quiet way of navigating and bypassing that problem, getting my special needs child. And just getting out of the house, and then calling law enforcement and people who and and, and where there are more people with body armor to go take care of that problem. Maybe maybe that's the better choice versus aggressively taking real estate like we would CQB. Right. Um, so again, that's another distinction between what what I think of again as an armed movement of structure bypass and the yeah. idea of is bypassing a good idea how would you do it what 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 does that what does that movement look like what are the attributes that we need to uh to pull that off you know so those are the that's the idea behind this it is it is contextualized for average people or singletons usually not operating under Color of authority, somebody uh, who's doing something uh, on behalf of government in a a way that, um, you know, is not overt.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. How did you, I mean, first of all, you guys got to be hearing this man's vocabulary, the lexicon, the way he's describing music, everything he's describing, it's gripping, but it's an awesome mastery of the human language (laughs) of English. So, you know, just kudos to you on that, man. It's very, 100%. And, um, What I I think it's an ultra relative thing, relevant thing I see, uh, you know, we see on the gram, we got guys, you know, full kit body armor running around doing stuff all the time. Everyone wants to be like them totally dig it, respect it. But I think this is the most relevant equation for a CCW owner to face. And that's kind of why I really wanted to lean into this and, or a guy on, you know, maybe you are working and, and, and in a rural area and you are law enforcement and you know, your, your other buddy is. 10, 15 minutes away and uh, you got to, you got to, you know, do you, how, how did you, what caused you to want to teach this course? You know, cause I, I know a lot of your courses do come from your experiences and things like that, but what caused you to say, Hey, I want to, I want to approach the one this, you know, the single man operation of, of this equation.
1: I started teaching this content formally uh, in 2006. Um, but it represents kind of my career path of um, working as sheriff's deputy uh, in in our county we we have real extremes in our county from just absolutely super urbanized with casinos and gaming and stuff like that to super rural you know mom and pop Mayberry type stuff right Um, so I worked by myself quite a bit in scenarios where, where there just wasn't another person. And, and I had to make a movement and I had to do something, right? I had to now I had to figure that out by myself. Um, so that was the first one. And the second one was um my my undercover experiences. You know, obviously uh you know, mo- all the time I'm working by myself. You know there, there's hopefully somebody close, but um, you know, sometimes there wasn't. Right. So you know, if I was buying crack in a crack house, and um, you know, recession, body wire is bad, and things go bad. Well, yeah, let's say there's a there's an argument. Let's, let's say it's there are a lot of people in there, and there are argument and two dudes, you know, you know, things go me and you know, I need to just bail on that and buy. Yeah, you know? uh, and I make an excuse to go to the bathroom. You know. Uh, and then kind of seek out, you know, what is, what is that? Do I even try Right. Right. What does that kind of, what does that kind of movement look like? You know, there there are all kinds of, all kinds of movement skills. Right. And and that's what we're, we're going to do is look at, you know, ways to move while armed structures and particular problems that are plausible and relevant to either average people or people working by themselves who are not average yeah what would you say to the guy who's like so
0: you know i hear people say things like well you should walk your house you should take a look at your your known structures is there any kind of like prep work you think people should do in the environments that they are organically living inside of with regards to you know giving them an edge on something like this
1: Prep work, uh, I think, I, I think just what you said, Byron, walking your house, knowing your house, knowing where your exposures in particular are the worst. And and we use, I use the word exposure, uh, exposure, it, you know, would probably the, the military, you know, working version of what I call an exposure is dead space. So it's anything I can't see into, right? And um, you know, the idea is is we try and eliminate dead space as much as possible. Things we can't see. If we can't see it, we can't control it. The problem is, is that a structure is a is a sphere, right? Yeah, it's not only a 360-degree environment, but in some structures, there may be space that ascends and there may be space that descends. So it's a it, yeah, I think of it more as a sphere. That you're kind of floating in the middle of, you know, in CTB we have people who take up areas of responsibility, sectors within a sphere, and that 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 cuts down on areas of responsibility. Right? It narrows our field of view. It allows us to concentrate better. You know, our attention nearly, isn't nearly as split. Um, we don't have that. Now, right. So when we define uh, dead space as an exposure, the object of the game is to minimize exposure, and moreover, minimize your field of threat. Mm. Narrow, narrow your field. Of threat, okay. So as a singleton, one of the things I'm trying to always do is do that. Narrow my field of threat. There are only two ways you can do that. All right. There are only two ways to deal, first of all, what 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 is an acceptable field of responsibility or a field of threat. Anytime your your field of threat exceeds about 45 degrees, hmm. it becomes unmanageable. Okay. So if you think about it, if a field of threat is 90 degrees. Right, it's absolutely unmanageable. And this is the reason that in classic greenside infantry, ambushes are set up in an L. Yep. Right. Yep. blanking works, right? Whether it's yep. we're hid and we have a short arm of a linear ambush on a road, you know, classic FM 21-76. I'm showing sure my age. Mm-hmm. This this of control, okay? But um, we do that because guys can't respond effectively to a nine degree field threat yeah. when they get hit. And this is nothing new, right? No. I mean, it's you know, been yeah. school of been doing That you 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 see this in the animal kingdom. Uh huh. I mean, oh. hyenas hyenas. Will engage from the front and then and then hits you from the side. Oh yeah, this works. Okay, so the object game is to 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 minimize that. So so what I tell people is, anytime your your exposures exceed forty five degrees, they are unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And As a singleton, you are always in a in a multiple exposure. In other words, if I'm moving down a hallway and the only place I'm exposed from, the only place I can't see is a lone door straight in front of me that's partially ajar, okay? I can keep my eyes, I can keep my muzzle pinned to that door. There's nothing traversing to the left and right, okay? Um, Now, let's say there is a door in front, and then there's a door at 10 o'clock. Now my field of threat is probably about 45 degrees. Now, let's say there's a door at, I'm I'm moving through, moving in a hallway. There's a door forward, there's a door at 10 o'clock and there's a door immediately close to me on my flank at nine. Now my field of threat, my exposure, is 90 degrees. That's unmanageable because if I'm looking to my left at 9 o'clock, there's no way I can see what's at 12 o'clock and I'm going to get shot in the ear hole. Yeah. So you're always, because there is no two-man, there is no three-man, there is no four-man, to hold these areas of responsibility. You as a singleton are always navigating and always in a multiple exposure. Wow. So the object of the game is to do not not let that exceed 45 degrees. And there are only two ways to do that. One, change your relationship to the exposures so you narrow the field of threat. And if that's impossible to do, Option B is to spend as little time as possible. So exposure thus becomes a pace driver. Mm. It tells us when we need to move much faster or when we can move much slower because the slower you move, the more precisely you move, the better that you see when movement starts speeding up. You can't see as much. You can't input as much information about the environment, right? Yeah. So exposure becomes a pace driver.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that make sense? 100%. So when you evaluate exposure in your effort to narrow the field of threat, that is going to cut, con- and that's what I mean when I say the quality of movement Right now, if I'm looking forward and there's an open door, and I'm rolling, and there and there's a door that as I'm moving forward is gradually going from ten to nine fifty to dot dot, and eventually it's going to be in my flight. What's going to happen is when I look at the door here, when the door is at eleven o'clock from twelve to eleven, that's manageable. That's a forty-five degree area field of threat. What's going to happen is as I start coming and I want to see more, right? Right. I want to input more room. I'm going to start to arc and my shoulders are going to start to turn and get in to the door that was ahead of me. Yeah. So what I'm going to have to do is as I arc And and this is exclusive of the decision to penetrate or enter the room or cross the threshold, whatever you want to do, or bypass that. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is is I start to turn my shoulders. To limit that exposure, I'm going to have to speed up. Mm -hmm. I continue to creep and creep and creep and creep. I linger in an exposure that exceeds 45 degrees. And the more oh. you linger, the more time you spend in it. If there is someone opposed, greater the right. likelihood. okay? So one of the, and one of the things you'll see is when I go to apply or, you know, evaluate the threshold of an entryway have room, you'll see I will half arc quite a bit. But as I do that, I speed up considerably. So my movement may be super slow and my steps may be super short because I'm trying to see precisely and not expose myself around something. But as the exposure opens, I speed up dramatically and then make a decision. What do I do next? Do I continue and bypass? Do I penetrate the room? Why do I need to go in there? Maybe I do, okay. And when I enter, you know, I'm probably entering at, at, at you know, a fairly high rate of speed. And then once I enter, the next thing I have to do is evaluate exposure again. And as soon as I penetrate, I need to see quickly, read the exposure correctly, and know where I should stop exactly because I don't want to over-penetrate and create more problems. Right. So oh so it's it's it, there's a lot going on. Okay, yes. it's, it's, you're doing everything. You ain't got no team. You have no help. No, yeah. No, there's uh, nobody. There's nobody when you when you enter a center fed room. There is no one to take the opposing hard corner. Right. And that may dictate where you move from. Where you move to, right. what you're looking at as you enter the room, and what you're pointing a weapon at if you have one in your hand. And, and all of those things, they might be different. Yeah. I might have a good reason, based on threshold evaluation, with a long wall and a short wall, I might have a good reason to look in one particular direction but keep my gun oriented in another. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a lot of classic stuff that that teaches you like a third eye principle, right? Where I where I look, the muzzle goes. Blah blah blah. Right, right, blah. right. Um, there may be a there may be a really good benefit to splitting it, right? Yeah, eyes away from your muzzle, and and we'll talk about that. Now, when I say stuff like that, especially guys who come from team based orthodox CQB backgrounds, they mm-hmm. will, you will see their their heads explode. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Absolutely. But when, when we really get into the discussion, and I say, all right, well, you know, is there a greater likelihood that a problem's gonna be on a long wall or a short wall? Here you have more space that you haven't seen around with more depth. Here you have less space that you're closer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has less area cleared, if there's a problem, it's gonna be an immediate flush range problem versus a potential mid and longer range problem, okay? So based on that, you know, you wanna look in one area and keep your gun oriented in another. Maybe because I can move my head faster than I can move my pistol, maybe what I wanna do is load my head to a particular direction, flip that off visually, Quick, keep my gun on the greater uncleared space and quickly look back. There may be a good reason to do that. And if it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, I absolutely am. Because the margin for error when you're by yourself is zero. Mm -hmm. There is none. Mm -hmm. So so we have to split hairs when we're talking about we don't have armor. We don't have a two, a three, and a four guy. We don't have nods. We're not coming on the heels of a distraction device. The room is not prepped with smoke or gas. It's you in your underwear with a Glock 42, that you're half asleep and you have to pee. Right. It's different.
0: <laughs> Maybe you got a light if you're real quick. <laughs> right.
1: so anyway, that's that's... That that's the that's that's the level of discourse and detail, yeah. That, that we're going to get into and the challenge for me obviously is making um, that uh, digestible, you know, in the time that we have available, which I can do, right? yeah. Um, for, you know? Right. Uh, we'll 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 really dial this in and fine tune it. Um. But yeah, that's that's what we're going to do, and I will do again a lot of talking and modeling, you know while um, while people are, are learning how to do this. Teaching okay. people to shorten their gait. Hmm. Teaching people how to properly evaluate a threshold. So I'll, I'll give you an example. When people yeah. learn threshold evaluation uh, or, or how to pie a corner, okay, to use more common language. <laughs> you will almost invariably see people step and lead with their feet into the pylon. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on the other side of the door. I will almost see somebody's toes, shin, knees, or hips first because they step into the pylon and then they move.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So what you have to do is you have to keep your vision and your muzzle in front of your feet, right? So the idea is when I'm trying to work precisely and incrementally, what I do is I either – and there are a couple ways you can do it. You can lean or you can roll, okay, but the idea is, is that my eyes and my eyes and muzzle break and then my feet move into that space and then I upright and then I take another piece of pie. And what you'll see people do is they lead with their feet, they step in the pie line, they give a visual signature before they've seen what's on the other side and somebody gets fire initiative.
0: Wow, man.
1: So simple simple stuff like 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 that, like, okay, do you know how to pie a corner? Well, yeah. And you'll see everybody just basically slow down. No. Shorten your stride.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't let
1: your feet lead. Don't let your lower body lead your upper body. The proper way to or do threshold evaluation is to lead with the eyes of the Muslim. And we tell people that, but we allow them to step into the pie line because generally, you know, we we don't work with opposition. We we walk behind them. You know, when we're coaching them, or we're in catwalks, we're not on the other side. And This is one of the things that something like a surf pistol, you know, that gives you a visual indicator. So I'll a lot of times I'll run when I divide a, a, a structure up a training structure up into routes. I'll go. I'll have somebody navigate the route. and I'll move ahead of them, and I'll take like a surf pistol. And I'll lurk, and I'll flatten out against a wall. Okay, which will, that's I'm going to bring up another technique, real briefly that that I teach that gives you a little edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll flatten out on a wall, and I'll use that surge, You know, and I'll invariably again see something first, and I'll put a dot. You know, right? Like a green laser. It's like get your okay. elbow in, conform yourself to this plane. edge of this wall that you're working okay don't let your shoulders leave big guys like you oh yes we'll see a lot of guys who work in a squared sheet platform have issues with telegraphing parts of their body um so there's some techniques that that i teach that help kind of narrow your profile Mm. okay and also you know, there, there's some other, and, and these same techniques also allow you to see a little extra sliver. And for example, I'll teach I'll teach people to flatten out on a wall. Hmm. In other words, versus if the, there's a line art, right? yes, I'll teach people to do that. I'll teach people to either put your back or their front against a wall. Because if you think about the width, especially if you're a bigger guy, the width yeah. of your shoulders, if that's what's dictating the limit of what you can see, a lot of times. By just turning, I may get an extra foot and a half of dead space on that corner. And it may be enough to, to turn what was a corner fed room into a or turn what was a center fed room into a corner fed room if I can eliminate dead space from the exterior before I cross the threshold. Hmm. Wow. So just a technique change in body position May allow you to cut off that area of responsibility, that dead space completely. And now, okay, well, I can put my full attention, narrow the field of threat on entry, and it's not nearly as much of a problem. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's good stuff. I mean, you know, that's the stuff they're coming for, man. I mean, he is already a lot of value just as you know, just kicking this conversation around. I, I can't wait. Do you have any words for anyone who's maybe hesitant to come out and train? I think it's relevant for everyone, man, but any thoughts, you know, like, you know um, we got single moms coming. We got
1: that
0: are in the folks that are professional protectors and stuff like that coming. Any final words to anyone on the fence, maybe thinking about coming.
1: No, uh, I would absolutely not hesitate to come. You've got a variety of uh, world-class subject matter experts that are teaching a variety of relevant topic matter. You know, for your uh, for your safety and and well-being. Uh, my personal experiences have been it's an overwhelmingly positive, supportive environment. Um, you're not going to get yelled at. You're not going to get harmed. You know, you're train hard and you're going to have a good experience and you're going to be around a bunch of like-minded people who have the same concerns that you did. Um, so it is time and money absolutely well spent. You will be better for attending. So get off the fence.
0: hundred percent. I love it, man. I cannot wait. Uh, as we roll into our closing questions, um, one habit that you recommend folks look at that will make them a better person or a better protector?
1: A better person or a better protector. Yeah, um, either or think about uh trying to do something versus be somebody. Do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Do something versus be somebody. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a way of expressing um selflessness. Yeah. You know, which I think uh, if you practice selflessness versus selfishness mm-hmm. then you know um, that 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 good intention, that goodwill is going to come back to you personally mm-hmm. and professionally. So yeah, I think to be a better person, a better protector, you uh, you need to think about doing something, not being somebody.
0: I love it. Ultra relevant with the social media culture we have. Um, I think I say that as like, uh, it's just, I don't know, trying to be a man of value than rather being cool. You know, like uh, I've never been all that cool. I've always just been like, well, I guess I'm five, I'm five, nine kind of chubby I got I got to make some contributions like, like people have to learn so I got to be good you know if you ain't that hot you got to be smart you know what I'm saying if you ain't sexy you better be smart so you're
1: you know, going to be tough
0: yeah there it, is, there it is I love it man well I can't wait to train with you um this is going to be amazing again uh and it's very relevant i mean as people get prepared for a hurricane whatever and wildfire whatever and maybe yeah. pandemic 2.0 i don't know but yeah it looks like it you know So um, it's a really good time to get culture, get around a a culture of protectors, like-minded individuals. We're going to be kicking off our social media stuff. We're going to have a platform for protectors to kind of get community. The event's going to continue.
1: Excellent.
0: And it's just an awesome time to to sit and and learn from you guys. So thanks so much for your time today. Always. Living legend, man. It's an honor, as always an honor. And I look
1: forward to hanging with you here coming up in, in just about a month. Yes, sir. Awesome, sir. Yeah, me too. We're really looking forward to uh, reconnecting and getting back with your people. Heck yeah. Oh, and what
0: what are you up to? Where can people find you these days?
1: Uh We have upticked on our social media because we've hired somebody to Heck actually yeah. do that. We have yes. a guy. Uh, this, uh, so we've, we've d- done an uptick uh, in social media. But ShivWorks.com, uh, train schedule is there. Uh, we have uh, ShivWorks official. On Instagram, we have my personal IG account, South Dark, and then we have the uh ShouldWorks Facebook group or Facebook page actively where we post content. We post content like daily. Outstanding. It's the way It's the way you gotta be. Love it, man. All right, looking forward to everything,
0: sir. We'll see you in a bit. All right, Byron, thank you. Thank you, sir. Boom. Boom, quick shout out to our sponsor, Staccato. My first pistol sponsor, um, I've been sponsored by a lot of companies, right, over the years, but when it comes to pistol, that's my bread and butter. Pistol, something I believe in, you know, I'm a competitive shooter, you know, we're shooting anywhere from, you know, 800 rounds a month type of thing, right? So, Staccato, being what I believe, is one of, if not the most complete handguns you can put in your hand um it's got every component that a handgun could have should have uh they're actually extremely dependable now that they've made some changes and these things are straight up tack drivers if you're looking for a pistol that will do as much of the work for you as a piece of hardware can obviously you have to have the 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 marksmanship and all the different things but different guns perform at different levels and i want to say that staccato is one of by far for sure take it from a competitive shooter we're shooting the highest volumes of rounds constantly right now not used to have a background guy but like right now when you go shoot you're gonna see certain brands staccato is one of if not the highest performing firearm that is both ccw duty ready and also competitive ready so i want to give them a shout out if you guys are looking for a good handgun to build your skills on top of go check out staccato much love and respect Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at ProtectorNation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, You'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to ProtectorNation.com and buy something or join forces with me on patreon you'll scroll down the home page and you'll see the link uh, anything you can give counts you know think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on mcdonald's this month five bucks a month whatever it is uh, that helps that helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous anyways this is byron rogers protector by nature and by trade and i'll see you on the next piece of content whether it's a video or podcast out